I'm going to clear my throat as well. Uh, movie, please! Uh, right. Assassin's Creed the movie is objectively the worst movie we've done on this horrible mistake of a show. It's so bad we forgot to sink. <laughs> Did I already mention that Assassin's Creed 2 is objectively, scientifically, factually, the worst movie we've covered here? Uh, well, Assassin's Creed 1, I think, is what you, you meant, because 2 is how you feel about the video games. Oh! Did I, <laughs> did I Freudian slip? Did I Freudian slip? Um, I normally, these days, these days, I, I'm still, <coughs> I still... The, the fake clearing of the throat. I just, <laughs> when I exaggerated the cough, I, I got a real case of like what sounded like a whooping cough. And now it's... <clears throat> and this fucking microphone, which I'm replacing, um, because sometimes it makes my voice go in slow motion in real time for no reason, <laughs> which is a load of bollocks. Um, what was I talking about? Uh, you were talking about Assassin's Creed 2 and your Freudian slip. Oh, yeah, 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 because now that I'm older and wiser, um, not that I've changed my opinion about Assassin's Creed 2, I think it's a piece of shit, but I normally like try and slip it in more subtly these days uh, <laughs> and, and uh, take a more sort of reflective sort of, <laughs> yes, that was quite a time, uh, but... Um, that just... was quite a time. That was it quite was. A... I, I can remember actually. I can remember actually being at an event at uh, CES, um... After that review published, when I was working at Destructoid, I went to CES, and there was a party that Capcom was having for Dark Void. And <laughs> Dark the Void. producer of Dark Void, whose name escapes me now, uh, I was chatting with him, and and I was coming, and I was like, well, the game looks interesting. And, and he's like, yeah, well, we can't wait to get a copy to you know Destructoid and see the review. And I was like, well, I mean, the same guy who reviewed Assassin's Creed 2 is going to review Dark Void. And his, like his face just fell, <laughs> like and it just it just sank. If I recall correctly, he was quite right too. He was correct. That. Yes, that was because if I recall correctly, and this was many, many, many years ago, like so many years ago that I, I scare you know I, I scarcely remember what I did last week. I mean, this is this um, is like seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, this was a long ass time ago. But if I recall correctly. It did about half as well as <laughs> two did on my uh, my particular scoring system at that time, um, which actually is pretty much the same sort of scoring system I use now. Uh, yeah, Dark Void was absolutely awful. Dark Dark Void, if if I'm thinking about the right game, was like someone saw the Rocketeer one day, thought I could make a video game out of the Rocketeer, but the problem is, is this is a person who had never made a game before. <laughs> that's that's the that's basically all you need to know about dark fucking void. Yeah, a very apt name. It, it, I mean that the they had a weird like jetpack thing that that could have been really good and then just wasn't. I, I they yeah, did a yeah. demake game that wasn't bad if you like demake games. Yeah, I I I was gonna like ask because I remember there being some pixely thing. Dark void zero. It. it was a dark void zero, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there was a full on uh, demake. 
probably better. I mean, it would be difficult to be worse than Dark Void. Like, it, it was a very unfinished game. Um, yeah. They had they got Nolan North to to do the the voice, and he he was just Nathan Drake. Like I know Nathan, Nathan, uh, North's voice is really for, like recognizable, so yeah. it's hard not to think of Nathan Drake. But this was this was Nathan Drake. This wasn't just Nolan North being hard to divorce from Nathan Drake. He was just behaving like Nathan Drake and had been written as such. And it was. But but by people who weren't as good at writing dialogue, so, so it was just this poor. It was like a bargain basement, Nathan Drake, that somehow had the actual voice actor. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's like fucking Ringo Starr drumming for the Bootleg Beatles or something <laughs> like that. I, I think it's I think it's telling that we have talked this much about Dark Void. <laughs> Because neither of us particularly want to talk about the Assassin's Creed movie. Well, 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 caveat, caveat. Um, None of us want to talk about the Assassin's Creed movie again. That's a fair point. Because let's be fair, let's be fair. We have already talked about Assassin's Creed. Uh, You'll realize that this has gone up. I I guess since we do these uh, every two weeks, it's 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 been a month. Yeah. It's been a month. Um, incidentally, it's been a month since either of us watched Assassin's Creed the movie, <laughs> because I, 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 the the movie didn't deserve being talked about the first time. No. And B, it does not deserve us being here right now. So I have so <coughs> much contempt for what it is we are having to do at this moment that I have no intention of taking today's podcast with any degree of seriousness or respect. So that's <laughs> that's the state of affairs. I, I'm not sure if anything I've said or the tone of my voice has given away that I don't <laughs> give a fuck today. But, you know, we, we do what we do so that our fucking slip disc backs can stand sitting here and yammering on about Michael Fassbender's bollocks. Uh, not literally. It was just a, a, the film was just bollocks. Yep. Um, but basically what happened was uh, we, well, I fucked up. Uh, we had the recordings all nice. And then I did two podcasts back to back the next Sunday. Uh, one was um, uh, uh, one podcast and one was another. Uh, <laughs> Well, you've been That's you've been doing works. a lot of like guest spots and things lately, haven't I've you? I've been doing some stuff. I've been doing some yeah. stuff, um, some interviews and stuff, um, and and stuff like that. And what had happened was not thinking correctly and still talking to Conrad at the time while I was saving the file that we'd just recorded for Fishchuck. I used the file name <laughs> that I used for. Movie Boys, for, for the spin-off Doctors, which is what this podcast is, by the way. I'm Jim Sterling. I'm joined by Conrad Zimmerman. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd overwritten it and couldn't recover it and felt very sad. And <laughs> It's like with... the darkest day. Like I mean, the only thing that I think could have been worse is if it were Pixels, because Pixels was actually good, right? That was a, a not, not the movie, but what we yeah. did. What we did was good. We and had a that... lot to work with. That would have been painful to lose. Yeah. Like, incidentally, the Mortal Kombat 
um, podcast we did, the, the original Mortal Kombat, uh, that was a re-record. I, th- I, th- yeah. I think we did mention it, uh, but, but that was also, for some reason, our most ludicrously popular <laughs> episode, and I still don't know why that has so many hundreds of thousands of listens. Um, but anyway, we're getting wildly off topic. Basically, I recorded over. Uh, I, 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 VH, I, I put, like, my kid, right, had a load of cartoons on a VHS tape, and that's the one I used to record EastEnders with, not thinking. <laughs> that's that, the metaphor I'm going for. That's the, the very, level here. Yeah, okay. Very Is that early that to 90s. You as a child? Late 80s, um, some fucker, yeah, my, my fuckhead stepdad put some stamp collecting bullshit over my cartoons. Wanker. Hang <laughs> uh, uh, on, I'm gonna just back up a second. So your stepfather was a stamp collector? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. A, a, a member of the Hells Angels outcasts, uh, a man who claimed to have done jail time for armed robbery, uh, who had uh, very few teeth, uh, a huge beard, uh, was a six foot fuck, uh, was incredibly violent, uh, was also quite the avid collector of stamps. That's so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's quite the thing. <sighs> I, I, I look back on aspects of my life and childhood and wonder what the fuck happened. <laughs> So, Assassin's Creed. I mean, I think long and short of it is, you're not a fan of the series. I, to certain extents, really enjoyed aspects of the series up to a point. Um, I, 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 I like the major installments after the first one, which, you know, really felt incomplete even at the time. Uh, felt like a bit of a drag. Um, yeah. Had had a lot of technical problems that I, I feel like they they fixed a lot of it by the second one. I think if the second game had been the first game, the series would be very different in in a quality sense because they would have it would have felt like a really good game at the beginning instead of a mm-hmm. something that wound up kind of really popular in spite of being good just on production value and and marketing. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it was the the original Assassin's Creed was everywhere. Yeah. Um, I, but I remember when I finally got around to playing it, I was like, this is the most boring shit. Yeah. But, and and for, for all the criticisms I've had of Assassin's Creed 2, and I've got a lot of them, it, it was at least more... It had more going on. It was more engaging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it was very well made, but it... it it did have more flourish to it, more activity, more more energy to it than the first one, which was just interminably dreary. I like very much like the movie. I like a lot of the things that they, you know, like every new idea that they would bring in in the major installments was something that I I enjoyed and appreciated. But it was always sort of saddled by the cruft of what the prior games were in their collectathony, get all the feathers bullshit. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with that because over time, I every Assassin's Creed I've played has been better than the last one. But the last game that came out, I gave it like a seven, seven point five, which just tells you how much lower. On yeah, the, how on low in your estimations. Yeah, but I do feel the same way, even though it impacts me less. I do feel the same way that they keep adding things that are good, but onto something that really 
wasn't a great adequate foundation. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Which which may be um, why uh, uh, there's there's some hope for Origins with me, that new one they're banging on about, because mm-hmm. uh, they, they have talked more about, about actual overhauls rather than just building on top of. So if they make some solid fundamental changes, that could be quite good. Oh, the other uh, thing that, that yeah, like the yes. multiplayer, I think, doesn't get enough credit. The Assassin's Creed multiplayer is a really interesting thing. Again, poorly implemented. Uh, it doesn't... It, I always wanted to like it a lot, right? Did you right. play any of that? I I, I didn't, no. Um, I, uh, I, I liked the look of the one that had one who had a Jester Boy in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, so I, I I didn't get around to to playing the. Jester I Boy I one. like them conceptually. I like that you know it's a game that's really about stealth. That's actually has some sort of assassiny thing because the the main game certainly doesn't. Like there's no <laughs> there's no well, call yeah, I mean, for stealth. A, a lot of games fail in that that they, they fail to reward you playing the game the way you feel it should be. Like that's one of my main issues with Gears of War is that if you try and play it like the cover-based shooter it, it nominally is. Uh, in multiplayer, you will just get done in by the guys rolling around with the shotguns. Right. Uh, so, from what I've seen of Assassin's Creed multiplayer, I, I at least respect that it looks, as you say, that they actually made stealth an engaging thing, so it wasn't just the usual run-of-the-mill people dashing about hacking and slashing and shooting yeah it's it's one of those things where if you play it as intended you can actually like really succeed um you you have it's a it's a patience game it's it's knowing when the right time to strike is and all of that's really interesting uh that's good i'd like more games where you know stealth is viable in uh, a multiplayer experience not just you know like it's an ability where for 20 seconds you're wibbly wobbly for a bit right yeah uh so yeah i guess that's all i have to say about the games um yeah. the movies yeah. as i think we previously stated fucking awful yeah yeah now they're a better it, it's a better made film than many of the films we've covered. oh absolutely it's a better directed uh you could say better acted i mean considering what they had to work with sure um but it is the most boring, and I'm including Warcraft in that. <sighs> Incidentally, another one we we hated recording the first time, and then I fucked up. Oh, that's we right. We did get to do that twice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we, we managed at least <laughs> at least the first time we recorded this, it was like an hour. It was it yeah was yeah. It was a maybe. nice was, tight episode. Yeah, because there's not a lot the movie has going for it, uh, and I don't really expect us to be talking longer than we did last time i'm expecting us to be more truncated <laughs> it's been a month yeah and and i will never see that film again if i can ever help it i will never see that film again like even if even if one day this show got wildly popular and people were like oh we want movie commentaries for all of the films you've done i would skip this one <laughs> <laughs> and never do it because i will never see this film again it would well, it almost be silence too, because there's it's so yeah. unremarkable. There's there's barely anything to even make fun of. There's oh. there there is only lamentation, and and now we have to relive. And our now regret, hell. yes. <laughs> so let's get on with it. Yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. 
We begin with expositional crawl. Here's what you need to know to understand the movie. The Knights Templar have spent centuries looking for the Apple of Eden, which they think will give them control over freedom of thought, and only assassins stand in their way. Fucking tits. Spain! 1492! A bunch of dudes in white robes are making weapons, and an assassin named Aguilar is inducted into their ranks. They talk about the threat Templars pose if they get the apple, and then they chop off Aguilar's finger, and... But not before a beautiful rendition of Genie in a Bottle. <laughs> what? Oh, Aguilar! I, oh. I thought you said... Oh. I thought you said... Ag- Aguilera. Carry on. Oh, Carry okay. on. All Carry right. on. Mm. People were laughing before you made me explain it. I tried to frame it as part of the joke rather than an explanation, but people know. People know. <laughs> I didn't make the Aguilar joke last time. That's uh, no. the problem. Yeah. If, if I had... I'd have been ready for it. Yeah. yeah and the I joke would have worked this time because I've, I'd have had that reaction last time. See? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but instead, we, let's just carry on with this ruined <laughs> podcast and film. Say the words given to us, our father who art... No, no sorry. Uh, nothing is true. Everything's permitted. That's what they say. And then we get nothing some rock music. True. Everything is permitted. Um, no, and that runs at odds with the film. Because in a film where everything is permitted, nothing fucking happens. <laughs> well, it's permitted. It doesn't mean they have to do. They're showing restraint, see. The fucking robot from Prometheus rolls around in a chair. Rolls around in a wheelie chair. Just a big wobbly wheelchair. But not like a wheelchair, like 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 the that one person was angry that avatars can use in Microsoft xbox now right no 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 like a big spinny thing like a hamster bowl that that's a toilet essentially (laughs) this movie is toilet so we get some rock music um this is this is used to introduce our main character Oh yeah, I forgot about the fucking music. And 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 the music is terrible. Like it's it's this mm. really like it's this rock tune kind of thing. It's real simple. It's it's like someone said, "How? What's the most generic way we can get the stereotypical factory standard uh, musical dissonance transition?" That's yeah. all. All it was. It was like. We want to go from the past to another period in history, and I need some really, really sleepworthy rock music to let you know this has happened. And this, this, you know, we're we're played this as we're showing, you know, clouds and and uh, an eagle swooping through clouds, and 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 a caption says Baja California, Mexico, nineteen eighty six, and. The music is like riding on I forty five, riding on I forty five, and you're like, okay, this is really pedantic and awful, and 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 then you f- you find out the name of the song because you know how songs will sometimes they'll 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 take a lyric from the song and use it as the name of the song. I love it when that happens all of the time. Right. Um, this song is called Entrance Song <laughs> by the Black Angels. And yes, apropos yes. of nothing, entrance song is in the lyrics. <laughs> and I don't understand. 
like I said, I love it all the time when it happens. And this was no exception. I was like, oh, of course, that contextualizes it. <laughs> so we're showing this kid getting ready to be a badass on a bike. And he's got a hoodie and he's going to jump off a ramp across a gap to a storage container. But he biffs it. And then he goes home. Where he finds his mother dead in his kitchen. Mamma mia! Mamma mia! (laughs) Bohemian Rhapsody! (laughs) And she's holding this pendant, or this pendant is dangling from her dead hand, I guess is really more accurate. And there's also an assassin there, and it's his father. By the way, I was was just making a, a far too late because the moment had gone joke based on entrance song. I wasn't making fun of a dead mother. By singing Mamma Mia, I just chose an unfortunate um, <laughs> part of Bohemian Rhapsody because I was so busy laughing at my great idea. See, that, that was so funny until you Conrad explained was. it. Well, that's the problem with jokes. <sighs> oh, uh, and the, the kid's name is Cal, just so you know. They toss that in right now. Uh, his dad tells him to, to live in the shadows. And then yeah, a bunch of vehicles sh- pull up outside his name's their house. Short. His name's short for Cal <laughs> Fuckhead. <laughs> um, the kid runs across rooftops to escape, so, you know, he already knows how to do that. Yep. Well, and- as this movie, as a strong proponent of eugenics, uh, which it is, <laughs> let's be honest... Uh, does does uh, suggest that everything is is genetically uh, passed down, permitted, yeah. right down to um, feeling annoyed about stuff. <laughs> uh, so the fate of the father's unknown, but it doesn't look good because you know last time we saw him, he's surrounded by people with guns. Uh, yeah. Cut to a Texas prison. Where a dude yeah, this movie doing... moves very fast in the beginning. It does not like, waste it... time. Yeah. One of the main issues with this movie, like I'm actually starting to remember some of the criticism I had now, and it's making me angry all over again. Um, by far the main issue with this film is it gives us no characterization for anything. No. It gives us no. It gives us only the backstory it needs to. Uh, relay the plot to right. the audience. It gives us no reason to give a shit about these characters. It doesn't, yes. like, establish traits or personality in really much anyone. Yeah, the, the characters are basically there to just verbatim tell a story. Yeah, uh, to fulfill the, a plot obligation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, every character is a plot device. For a plot that's crap, uh, but that's besides the point. But no one has any personality... No one has any appreciable history. Nobody, I mean, nobody acts differently from each other. Uh, There's no character arc. Nobody learns a thing. Nobody changes. Uh, The entire movie maintains the the, same Even the characters that you think are going to change as a result of the events of the film do not change. Mm -mm. Like, they set them up to change, and then they're like, eh, fuck it. Yeah, because... There is no characterization. Uh, everyone just wants a fucking apple. Yeah. Yep, that's that's about it. So we're, we're in this uh, Texas prison, and in a cell there's a dude doing charcoal sketches. A priest comes to administer the last rites to him, and the, the prisoner's Corny not into scene. it. Corny and fucking scene. 
And then he's taken to a lethal injection chair where we find out, oh, this is Cal. And it's now 2016. And yeah. he's been oh. convicted of murder. One thing we never find out is what the murder was, whether he actually did anything or not, because you assume in movies that a protagonist about to be executed, uh, spoiler, he doesn't, uh, <laughs> because everyone thinks he's executed, he's free to be part of a guinea pig program. I don't know if you've ever seen a thousand films like that before, um, <laughs> but, but generally, generally on average, people have seen a thousand films like that before. Uh, so, you know, you might be someone who hasn't, but but that's I, I, I feel like I'm not go, getting too far ahead of ourselves by pointing that out, because the moment you see him in a prison cell, you know, that's going to happen. Right. So the point of the matter is, is that this this is what uh, would be called an establishing character moment <laughs> in a movie, uh, yeah. the movie that sets up who the character is. Um and that's what this does. It sets him up as someone with uh, a past that doesn't matter and a future that I don't give a shit about. Yes. That, that's basically it. He, he, he doesn't matter. The, the main character doesn't matter. It's, it's just a touch on the whole death thing because, yeah, it does, it's never really explained what happened. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it was this a self-defense thing? And it's... It makes it, I guess, I, I don't know if they wanted it to be challenging on whether or not. Well, no, I mean, I seem to recall you saying something about how they wanted to make this a, you know, no good guys, no bad guys kind of thing. Everyone that is. That was their intent. Yeah. They, yeah. One of the facts I remember, one of the Amazon X-ray facts I do remember, um, I didn't even note them down last time. And like, that was how much contempt I had for the film. Um, but one of the ones I recall was that. They, they they decided we don't want good guys or bad guys between the assassins and the Templars, despite the fact that one of them is, by all objective standards, villainous. Yeah. The one that wants to take away people's free will. Versus, like, the freedom fight, uh, ragtag, down to their last few people, rebellious types, who are typically heroes in films. I feel like the Templars are fairly villainous, but basically by them saying we don't want clear good guys or bad guys, it allows them to not write characters because that's that's what they've done. Yeah, they they they. There it, is a villainous plot. They've the chosen plot to solve their problem of not having good characters and bad characters by just not writing any characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, yeah, no one in the movie could be called quite good or bad because they don't do anything uh, you only have the narrative templar and the narrative assassin and they are quite clearly good good and bad because these people do not know how to write uh, anything uh, and that also is why i i, I want to nip in the bud anybody saying um i don't even think anybody would for this because i don't think anybody would would give it this credit but you never know but just a nip in the bud, uh, no, I do not think this movie is anywhere near capable enough of suggesting that it's purposeful, that we don't know the circumstances of what it was the robot from Prometheus did, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because it doesn't matter. I don't think it's one of those, 
is he an android or is he not scenarios, you know? It's not one of those, it's the journey, not the destination. Let's not fucking have any of that, please. The movie just didn't bother with a protagonist. Yeah. Or a villain. Or or a film. Just a waste of my time in a very fake-looking film that that (laughs) looks like Moulin Rouge by accident. We we talked about that as well last time. Yes. Like, Moulin Rouge looks fake, but stylistically so. Like, it's a very deliberate choice that everything is heightened and... Uh, and consistent in that way. Yes, yes. And, you know, sweeping through the cities and everything, they're supposed to look sort of cardboardy and not there, like, like on a stage. Uh, the same effect, because it's kind of shot the same way with the way it sweeps through cities. Even though this movie apparently had very minimal CGI, like I think it's 20% versus 80% practical, it still looked all CGI and fakey because of the way they did these horrible um, edited swooping shots and the colour scheme and, and the contrast between everything was just off. And so it's, it's it all weird looks fake. because that, I mean, you would think you'd want so hard to get that right in in an assassin because the eagle thing and the flying that's so kind of central to the like visual language of assassin's creed oh yeah yeah they used uh, their their fun little cartoon eagle yeah like you couldn't get a real eagle <laughs> like like did real eagles look at this script and turn it down <laughs> where jeremy irons well of course jeremy irons would say fucking yes yeah so, I would put that. I would say an e- a bird of a, a literal bird of prey standards are higher than Jeremy Irons. So as Cal drifts off to what he believes is his death in the lethal injection chair, uh, he sees his mother. But he comes to in a hospital-like room, where a woman no. introduces herself as Doctor Sophia Ricken. And explains that, as far as anyone knows, <gasps> Cal was executed the night before. She no. says she's there to help him. And and Cal stumbles out of the room, freaked out, and crawls down a hall, which the doctor allows. And he wanders around a bit. Until he no. Finds... I've never seen anything like this. I, this is totally original. This he is finds... fucking dynamite. 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 Dynamite, cinematic, silver screen, fucking dynamite gold. And he finds a big open window, and he sees that he is at the top of a massive building. And Omar from The Wire is there, and he encourages him to jump. And we get, you know, that the shot that they that people love to do where, you know, someone's standing on a tall thing, and they're looking down, and so they show you their perspective, and you can see their shoes. Yeah. Uh, it, that, Wait, why the fuck is he wearing shoes? <laughs> they they slipped little shoes on him. They put shoes on him while he was unconscious? And let me just say, right, if that's your kink, <laughs> you have to clear that with someone, right? <laughs> yeah, you, consent is it has, important, people. Yeah, like, it has to be, like, like, like con non con, you know? Like, like, they've got to say, yeah, like, you have my permission when I'm asleep to put shoes on me, if that is your thing. Which I can certainly see that being a thing. 
like clothing someone when they're asleep. I don't know if that's an established thing, but I could see it being that. But don't do what this film irresponsibly fucking glorifies <laughs> and start shooing people like in their sleep without their fucking knowledge. So Dr. Rickon catches up and says, hey, you're not a prisoner. And explains that he's in Madrid at an Abstergo facility where they're researching ways to eradicate violence. I, I'm sorry. He's a guy in a place who seem, it seems like he's not allowed to leave. And there are people with cattle prods all around him. In what way is he not in prisoner? Uh, in prison, they don't put shoes on you while you're asleep. <laughs> well, so I don't technically, know. Technically, he's something else. I don't know. That could be your bunkmate's thing. I wouldn't leap to any. <laughs> well, you know. Um... And no judgment there. You know, whatever. Well, no, two, not at all. Like I've said, two like cellmates I've said. get up to in the privacy of their eight by ten is. Uh... <laughs> Sleep clothing can be enjoyed by anyone and should be enjoyed by anyone. I hope it becomes mainstream. So he backs away from the ledge and then he gets shot with a trank dart. Which... Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great in this film, right? If he backed away from the ledge, got shot with the trank dart, then just fell the fuck off the ledge <laughs> and the credits rolled and that was the end of the fucking film. It would have been a much better movie. It uh, would have been. They wanted this movie to go on for like over two hours before they cut it down. What did they have? There's not enough material for 10 minutes. So the doctor gets pissed off, but I guess her father is also here and he gets to make orders. So that's why he got shot with the trank dart. And so I wish he was making orders in the cafeteria downstairs. (laughs) So she's Jeremy Irons was just working at the, I don't know, a month ago we had this great bit about Jeremy Irons working at a McDonald's in the cafeteria at yeah. the Abstergo facility. Um, I can't remember it. Ah, oh, what was that? I, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but it was kind of funny, the idea of the Abstergo cafeteria having a McDonald's in it. That, oh, that... yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncle Scar grilling you up a Big Mac or whatever. Like, that'd be great. And do they grill them or just bung them in a mic? I don't know how they do burgers. Well, McDonald's. I think they steam Probably them. just leave them out in the sun, don't they? I think they steam them here at McDonald's. Like, they have these sort of steamer trays with just little piles ah. of patties that are already, like, pre-cooked, and they just heat them in the steamer. I think that's how it works. That's that's why they call them McDonald's steam boys. <laughs> So Cal is taken to a large chamber where he is attached by belt to a mechanical arm, has a chip plugged to his neck, and is given a pair of wrist guards to wear with knives in them. (laughs) Hello, violent criminal. Would you like some knives? Yes. Yeah, I actually would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Forgive me if I don't bother doing my bad American accent right now. Um, hi, I'm Michael Fassbender. Uh, I'm a violent criminal, and I'd love some knives. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the best thing about these knives is that they come in straps that you can conceal uh, under your sleeves as well. Uh, excellent. I'm uh, a violent criminal. I don't know if I've mentioned that. Uh, I, I was actually on death row for murder uh, before I woke up here with some lovely shoes. Thank you. Um, 
now you are telling me I can have these knives and they are fully concealable? Uh, yes, yes. And you are telling us that you're a violent criminal. Quite violent, yes. Very violent indeed. Here you go. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. And then the mechanical arm just smashes him into the fucking floor and it's fucking over. I wish. I wish. So, yeah, the doctor, Dr. Ricken, tells him that he'll experience the memories of a long dead person and that he can't change what happens, so, like, don't even try. And then the arm lifts him up and a bunch of lights are put on him as computer guys do computer things and talk about DNA and memory locks and whatever. Yeah, and it, it's not like a fun talk about DNA. Like, like, here's another thing that this film fundamentally gets wrong, right? Is when Jurassic Park needed to explain its science, it had a cartoon, like, little man go, mm-hmm. ah, ah, Mr. DNA, it's got some dinosaur eggs, and we got them up out of a mug that was in some yellow stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that was moderately, and it was at least visual and a noise and something and it, it explains something. something yeah yeah uh, whereas this film everything is just this monotone drab like 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 the movie starts with just this lengthy opening crawl just saying look look you've paid to get in now here are the fucking facts uh, and then it just gets and that's the whole that's tone the, the tone. movie takes yeah is yeah look here's i don't know some shit happened <laughs> yeah, look, look, there's some shit happening right now. Uh, do, you, do you want a fucking cartoon bird? Uh, I don't know if you're expecting any comedy scenes in this film to, like, lighten the tension like a lot of action movies, especially blockbusters have. No. Like some comic relief. We don't. We do have a character who's capable of smiling. One. Um, yeah, you'll and see And it's him Omar. Later. Yeah, Omar will come along later and he will smile and reintroduce you all as the audience to the concept of levity. Uh, but he or won't emotion. actually provide... Yeah, yeah, he won't actually provide any any humour or, or or even just light-heartedness. There's uh, one scripted joke is, he gets to deliver. He does get to deliver a scripted joke. It's, uh, uh, let me just assure you all right now, uh, audience, it's not funny, so don't worry uh, if you had any... Uh, 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 fears about laughing so hard you shit yourself in the movie theatres now some people may want to feel more disappointed by this Um, hello by the way I'm the director I don't know what my name is and I don't know why I'm standing in a random movie theatre talking to this whole audience but some of you might be worried that you will have too good a time that you won't feel crushingly disappointed by my film that I made. Uh, my name's not worth remembering. Uh, um, Justin Kurzel. Yes, Justin. Hi, I'm Justin Kurzel, and I'm terrible at directing the Assassin's Creed movie. And I don't know if I'm better at directing other films. Uh, but if I were to just base my career, and and you know, they say you're your own harsh critic, your own harshest critic, but I think you'd all agree here tonight that uh, if you just saw this film, which you're all about to see tonight, uh, you, you think I'm a terrible director who's worse than Uwe Boll because at least he put some blood and tits in things to keep some level of engagement, even on the most shallow level. Uh, I can't even do that. Just so, just so, just so because now you have actually yes. like sparked my curiosity... Um, Justin Kurzel, prior to this, 
Uh, he directed the Michael Fassbender Macbeth film. Right. Which was kind of a disaster. And okay. But he had, like, two pretty critically acclaimed films prior to that called Snowtown and The Turning, neither of which I've seen. Um, both British films, I believe. Um, I have no idea what they're like. But it... So, like, this is a guy... But that's it. That's all he's done. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't know. I think I think he and Michael Fassbender are just buddies now. I think that's probably yeah, it. Yeah, probably the only way he could get work. It's um, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. To explain the punchline I was leading to after a long wind up. Sure. Um, Robert Downey Jr. was going to play Leonardo da Vinci in this film, oh. but but he doesn't and isn't and won't and and he's not here. Uh, but that that just. When I saw that fact pop up on Amazon X-Ray, it made the movie so much worse because it highlighted exactly how there is no comic relief, there is no tonal sh- shift. Um, in it's like it's it's not like I'm saying a film has to be inconsistent, but right. I'm saying you can't keep you can't hold a note for ninety minutes. Right. Well, yes, and expect that's... people to remain engaged there has to be some highs some lows there has to be some sort of 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 change in the frequency and no just imagining robert downey jr playing leonardo da vinci uh, you know playing off the way he's portrayed in assassin's creed 2 um it just made viewing the rest of the movie so much more painful because i was then so much more acutely aware of how little this film had in any department, and just so lacking in charisma is this film. If you were to uh, say, if if an electrocardiogram were capable of measuring uh, the sort of emotional or, 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 or interest or, or I don't even know what I'm trying, like the, if you could depict the highs and lows of a film on an, an electrocardiogram, like if you just hook it up to this movie, yeah. it would flatline. Yeah. It would yeah, just that, the whole way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd have just said like, if emotions were heartbeats, this yep. movie would be a flatline. Yep, that's it. Yes, that's you know, a, that. Yeah, that's what we yeah. needed. We needed to refine that down. I might cut out everything you said and then just make it look like I came up with the whole thing on the fly. There you go. Oh, that um, that, that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, did you know they're remaking Flatliners? Are they? I saw some trailer for it, but I didn't have the sound on, but it looked like that's what it was. I hope they get Kiefer for a little cameo in it, like as as like the head of the university medical department or something. That'd be cool. Yeah. Flatliners is a movie I'm not offended by them remaking. I, I, you know what? I've not even seen the first one, even though I feel like I should. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Is that the one with Glenn Shadricks in it, or is that Frighteners? I think that's Frighteners, I think. Well, I've not seen Frighteners either. They're so, the two films I've never seen. <laughs> so after they've hooked Cal... Are you going to Cal- talk about the film again? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Um, okay. I'll be back in a sec. Yeah, no problem. So after I'm just the- going to get a glass of water because I'm out, yep. and my mouth's dry, and it's starting to make... Like that all sticky on the microphone. So I'm going to... Yeah, um, take, take your time. Take your time. I'll just make some progress. Yeah, yeah, that'd be best for everyone, I think. So, when they're done hooking him into this machine, Cal snaps up, 
and then he suddenly plunged downward into the past. Don't forget to tell the Michael Fassbender's in it. <laughs> a camera follows an eagle and pans through a battle with lots of people fighting before settling on a mountaintop where there's a bunch of assassins. And the assassins are looking for a boy. And then some Spanish soldiers find a boy. And it's mentioned, oh, that boy's a prince. And so as an assassin moves through a crowd of villagers, the commander of this military force that's attacking the village tries to learn who harbored the boy. And a dude takes up to take responsibility. Um, and I, I guess presumably to stop this violence that they're inflicting towards some poor woman. And so the commander orders that his family be hanged along with him and the whole village burned. So that didn't really work out too well for the guy who was uh, just trying to trying to help out. Uh, anyway, the prince, who is uh, from Grenada, is uh, put into a cage. And one of the more important-seeming Spanish dudes is saying that he'll be used as leverage against the sultan, blah, blah, blah. They're going to get the apple, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, our buddy Aguilar is on the roof behind the important Spanish dude. And he jumps down, skewering him in classic assassin style. Hello. Hey. Yeah, so I was just talking about how um, Aguilar very subtly jumped off of the roof behind the important Spanish dude who's, you know, like running this village raid to get the Prince of Grenada. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and despite the fact... <clears throat> This is what I wanted to point out, and I, I thought that, you know, you should, you, you, you'd want to hear this. You wait for me to get back. Yeah, I was waiting for you to get back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, everybody's looking at this Spanish dude mm-hmm. who's making this big speech. Yeah. And behind him on the rooftop is Aguilar. Yep. Aguilar jumps down. He does. It does the big, you know, like, slow motion, drop down, stabby thing with the blades on his wrists, right? Yeah, we, you know, we all love it. We all wanted to see it. Hooray. How did nobody fucking see him? They're all looking in his direction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, this is is where the film lines up the most with the video game. True. (laughs) This yeah, absurd like they, little they're thing. working with video game AI at this point. Yeah, like the old trope of no one ever looks up and stuff, which I think you mentioned last time. Yeah, um, is stretched to breaking point here. And when Aguilar does it, we see Cal going through the physical motion in the Animus Chamber, just so everyone understands how this works. And you're going to get to see this a lot if yeah. you watch the movie. Yeah, that that's a big part of this film is constantly. Anytime like, like, there's an action sequence, really, we get to see Aguilar do it, and then we get to see Cal also, it cuts to Cal also doing it in his sort of mechanical arm. Thing. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because they think the audience is stupid, which if... If, if, you, you, went, know, if you pay money to see this film, I mean, that could very well be the case. <laughs> yeah, uh, You know, they, they think it needs reinforcing, or whether it's like they just thought it looked really cool. Uh, and they loved their swingy chair. I don't know, but it's it just it breaks the film. It, like what little 
flow there is to to hook up an audience well and, uh, and is when you talk about 20 percent computer generated most of it is in these sequences because they have to make some sort of like visual special effect to show the thing that he's touching you know oh yeah yeah um yeah and like a lot of it is like him spinning around in his fucking funfair chair uh kicking cgi ghosts or whatever and yep. I never explained that. Like, like when he's in modern day in the facility, there are like oh yeah, we'll get there. We're versions. almost we're almost to that. Yeah. Um, okay. So all I'm of these other assassins, sad. who have very subtly worked their way into the crowd and do not stand out at all because they're the only people who are obviously not soldiers yet have huge obvious weapons strapped to their backs. Like, yeah. <laughs> they start attacking. They definitely eliminate one Spanish soldier after another, and one assassin makes off with the wagon holding the prince in the chaos. But badass commander, who is going to be a recurring character throughout this, gives chase, and then Aguilar has to pursue them on horse. So now we get this really long, boring chase through the desert. Yeah, and and unfortunately... Unlike what they should have done, they don't cut to Michael Fassbender like squatting midair with one hand out, like pantomiming being on a horse, just bouncing up and down. Have you? Have with you ever someone seen... behind him banging coconuts? Have you ever seen Gone in sixty seconds? I've seen the beginning of it. Okay, because the original Gone really in sixty seconds has uh, was notable for being like the longest car chase scene in film history as of the time it was made. Like, the longest yeah. contiguous car chase scene. Um, this feels like that, except without all of the excitement of cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are... I mean, it's every action sequence is this. Is this, uh, like, you're just watching the stuff happen, and and it just feels like it's so long and uneventful. Aguilar jumps on Badass Commander's cart, and they do a fighting, and then their cart hits a rock, and and Aguilar is flung to the Princess cart, which is super convenient because the other assassin, uh, who had, had just lost control of that situation, and so as the cart is plummeting off a cliff, Aguilar launches a little grappling hook and succeeds in preventing the Prince from going over the cliff with the cart. Um, in the Animus the Chamber, Cal snapped. Was that? So I wish the grappling hook had snapped. Yep. Anything to end this early. In the animus chamber, Cal's laying limp on the floor, and the doctor orders him to rehab, tells him he's a good boy, while Cal just sort of stares off and hallucinates an assassin. So now we've got these ghostly assassins in the real world. Why not? Why not? Why not? Don't fucking matter. At night, Dr. Rickon goes to see her daddy in his office, uh, played by Jeremy Irons. Uh, which is, yep. you know, I, I prefer to think of them as Talia Al Ghul and Uncle Scar. They because are because at least that in my mind is very amusing. I hate, I, it, like, it's so difficult to waste Jeremy Irons, right? Because there's not a lot to him, but he could he could do an anger thing. He could do a, he, a ragey thing. He'll turn it up, yeah. 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 This guy's this guy is nothing. He's just flat in this character. There's He is He is at, in this film what Samuel L. Jackson was in the Star Wars prequels. Oh wow, like, yeah. Someone someone whose acting ability, like someone whose like range 
was ignored yeah to give us just a flat expository character and i unlike mace windu who was at least written to be specifically i feel a, a flat expository character this is the he's the I villain guess the main villain yeah i yeah like again ost- everything is ostensibly in this everything's in quotes when you talk about this film but he is the villain of the piece. Well, and I think that that's, but again, them Mace wanting Windu. to not have heroes and villains. So they didn't make him outwardly villainous. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I keep forgetting that they went all postmodern on our asses. Yeah. That's <coughs> fucking terrible. I forgot that they broke the constraints of storytelling by adhering to it incredibly specifically, <laughs> except without any effort. So his office is full of all this Knights Templar stuff. So, oh, I guess he must be a Templar. Um, and No. I know, right? And so Dr. Ricken tells Daddy Ricken, or I guess, uh, what are we doing here? Uh, Scar, and who is she? Talia al Ghul. All right, so Talia, Talia al Ghul tells Scar that uh, Cal is a direct descendant of Aguilar, which is why their machine works so well, see? That's that's why yeah. he's able to do all this. And so when when Uncle Scar asks why she stopped the experiment, she reveals that she's a cunning operator who plans to earn his trust and manipulate him, while her dad is more the kind of the direct action type. But her yeah. toys don't work that way. You have to volunteer. You have to, like, you know, yeah. sub, uh, submit yourself to the experience. You have to be prepared. So Daddy Rickon... Uncle Scar goes to meet the elders of the Templars, where he learns he's about to get his funding cut because the Templars have determined there's really no need to control people with some mystical apple thing because they've already managed to do it uh, by controlling their standard of living. Uh, he maintains they're making progress and, and tells the elder about Cal, saying science deserves as much an opportunity to control humanity as religion, politics, or consumerism. Sure, why not? I'm just going to say that that even even if it's just two words of it, uh, me singing a Disney song is me putting myself out there uh, and putting my heart out there. And uh, I, I feel very attacked when you just skip past it um, and carry on talking about the Assassin's Creed movie. Oh, what was? I'm sorry, directed. I might not have even heard it. What did you say? Well, well, I, I it doesn't matter now. Like we'll we'll move on. We we will move. I on. I feel bad though. Like, I don't I... want to bring this up. I I don't want to bring this up on like on on camera essentially, um, and and everything because I feel that would be very awkward for the listener. But but I guess I just feel like I'm not appreciated enough uh, on this show oh my god um, jim i'm so sorry i didn't i didn't know i i was just i was so determined to get us past this sort of horrible nightmarish experience that we're having that i it just didn't, didn't even occur to me and i i must have completely so our relationship is a horrible nightmarish experience now okay <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, so the, uh, <sighs> back in a cell, Cal has another hallucination of an assassin. And, uh, Talia al Ghul comes in and tells him that they're caused by the animus. It's something they call a bleeding effect. More, there's more techno babble here. She offers to yeah. help Cal control them. 
And Cal puts his hand on her throat, demanding to know what the Animus is. But we don't care, because we don't care about any of these fucking characters. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the Animus, um, here's a fact. Whatever. Um, in the background, in the first scene where they're in the Animus room, you can see, like, I guess in their universe would be a prototype version, but you see the Animus from the video game in yeah. the background uh, in one of the shots blurry. You can make it out the white uh, chair with the red. And can I just... Uh, but it, it, there's a fact. Can I just know? say, I like the Animus conceptually. I like that there is a, a thing in their game world that justifies the existence of the HUD. That's That's all. I just like that. Look, I like it when games do that with with HUDs. You know, they they implement them in a way that that, that is in universe as well. Yeah, uh, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just a it, yeah. And 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 I, and I like the future stuff in Assassin's Creed, and I know that I'm in a real minority there. But that, yeah, I never cared for it myself. Yeah, that that managed to get me through a lot of the boring shit in Assassin's Creed, which right. I wholly admit is boring. Uh, I do find it funny though that that a lot of the audience uh, they don't particularly care for the the modern day stuff, and the games seem to have responded to that to the point where in recent ones the modern day stuff has just been resolved over the end credits while the end credit music is still playing even yep like it's just so relegated to an afterthought and the occasional glitch in game and stuff um so i just find it funny that the games have taken note of what the audience wanted and moved more and more towards being immersed in this timeline appropriate story and even, even whereas the movie the same... thought let's take go sorry good i was gonna say the movie thought let's take the least popular bit that has had less and less relevance and make that the predominant focus. Yeah. And so that we can show fucking Fassbender in his flippy chair. And the, the, the future stuff, like, in the in the Assassin's Creed games, to the extent that it's it's still there, it's I still find that kind of interesting. I thought it was clever for them to transform Abstergo into, you know, or to create this game division of Abstergo that was furthering the research on the Animus. I liked yeah. that. They're, they're, they're... Assassin's Creed, I think I said this last time, Assassin's Creed is a series that has a lot of great ideas poorly implemented. And I think I've said yeah. this about the last movie we watched, too. Either that or yeah, I'm just yeah. remembering that I said it about Assassin's Creed last time, but it's... Well, I think we've said it with a lot of films, yeah. is the problem. <laughs> well, a lot of game series, but... Uh... Yeah. Anyway, all right, let's... A lot of these episodes. Yeah. All right, let's 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 try to get this over with. Uh, <laughs> we're already almost... I think we're already longer now than we were last time. No. Um, so... I've got to cancel the Comcast person coming around. <laughs> uh, she eventually gets Cal to calm down and cooperate, takes him to a room where she shows all of this research that she's compiled about him and his heredity noting that he was found when he was arrested and his DNA added to records. And she explains that a genetic mutation in Cal and others at the facility, also descendants of assassins, have made them predisposed to violence, and that they have a common history and that their mothers were both killed by assassins. This is uh, Talia and Cal have this common history. And when Cal picks up a model of the Apple of Eden... uh, Talia tells him that she believes it's a roadmap to eliminating violence in, in the human genome, basically, and that 
Aguilar was the last person known to have possessed it, hence the whole diving into his memory things, because memories are genetic, remember. Uh, in exchange for his assistance, Cal will get a second chance at life, since everyone already thinks he's dead. Uh, something I didn't bring up, and this is a, a thing that has always sort of struck me as interesting about Assassin's Creed and that whole idea of, you know, like, you get to experience all of the memories of your, your parents. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's the point at which those memories would stop? What's the last thing you think you'd see? Would it be your parents fucking? Well, I mean, Assassin's Creed 2 started with a little baby. Uh, but I guess it would maybe it would be from the sperm's perspective. <laughs> and then you just play in uh, one of several Steam Greenlight games that I used to look at. Uh, so Cal goes to the mess hall and he's eyed by some prisoners. And Omar's got a seat already for him. Apparently Omar's ancestor was a voodoo prisoner named Musa. And he's real cryptic about stuff, which is always fun. And he uh, warns Cal to be careful because they're supposed to be protecting that apple thing. And then a dude gives him an apple because fuck subtlety. I think I skipped the joke about the order and the chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't even going to bring it up this time. Um, But, yeah, they do. Like, Omar says, try the chicken. It's wonderful. We recommend the chicken. It's an open open menu, but we recommend the chicken. That's it. Yeah, it's an open menu, but we recommend the chicken. And then um, a lady walks in and says, exactly that. It's an open menu. We recommend the chicken. And then Omar's like, ah, see. Yeah. And then Cal orders a steak to demonstrate that he's defiant. See. Yeah, yeah, in one of the most inspiring acts of rebellion I've ever seen on the silver screen. Uh, he orders a steak when somebody recommended the chicken, so uh, watch out. Antifa is in the building. <laughs> uh, so the dude shows up, gives him an apple, because fuck subtlety. Uh, when his dinner shows up, he has a, a headache. And a vision of his dad at the scene of his mother's death, and then sees that uh, assassin hallucination again. And Uncle Scar tells Talia that Cal has to go back to the Animus, intimating that they're running out of time for their little experiment. And she protests, saying she won't risk Cal's life, presumably because of his value in finding the apple, and not because she actually gives a shit about him. Like, I think that's supposed to be... What we're doing well, here? Well, she warns him that his powers of perception are as wet as a warthog's backside. Uh, Uncle Scar suggests that, hey, you, my daughter, are replaceable in this sense. She's like, whoa, that's, that's kind of cold, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back in his cell, Cal gets into a fight with his hallucination. And when some guards come in, he fights them for a bit before being subdued and taken back to the Animus. Is that the bit where he starts singing? Uh, no. Mm. Or is that later? I think that's the next one. I think that's the or, next I, one, yeah. There's some, it's all just a blur. There's some discussion among the assassins about eliminating Cal before he can lead them to the apple, and Talia al Ghul's under some... She's got some subterfuge going on herself. She orders the technician to pull Cal out if his condition gets bad, you know, regardless of what Uncle Scar's orders might have been. And the animus is fired up, and 
Talia warns Cal of some non-specific dangers of not sort of like going with the flow of the memories. Uh, so Aguilar's in a dungeon. Some Harry Potter shit. Along with the the other assassin from the prince abduction attempt that they did. And they've apparently got some romantic thing going. And they get dragged out to be executed in a scene that looks very much like a painting we saw uh, Daddy Rickon looking at of Torquemada um, at the height of the Templar power, or at least the forward-facing Templar power. Um, Aguilar frees himself from his shackles, too late to save his mentor, who's also there being burned. Uh, but he frees his lady friend, and then they do the carefully orchestrated ballet of death fighting style thing before... Yeah. Oh! Mm-hmm. Oh, and one other thing. Um, I didn't care about this movie. Oh, was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, oh, Okay, on. yeah, no problem. Uh, <laughs> in the... They, they climb to rooftops to escape, and in the animus chamber, Talia admires how well Cal's synchronizing here during this whole thing. And yeah, they run the, the fuck through that city. So much running, ending in a big, iconic, proper iconic, not Ubisoft iconic, swan dive. Um, that's the that whole that, leap of that, faith that's... thing. Yeah, that's what I've been waiting for, is to see, like, the big leap of faith into, like, straw or something. Like, how are they going to pull this off in the movie? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's funny, because, like, this run sequence, again, much like the chariot scene earlier, is very, very long. Very long. And I don't... Th- it gives me the impression that the people who made this movie never actually played Assassin's Creed. Really? Yeah, because... Those running sequences generally aren't that long. (laughs) It's not that hard. There's, like, hiding places fucking everywhere. All you got to do is break line of sight, hop into one. But I think the main problem is that uh, Assassin's Creed, the game, has more stuff to do (laughs) than just run about. But the Assassin's Creed movie, the best it can do is just run about. Well, Cal loses sync at this at this point. This big swan dive, leap of faith, yeah. goes into the some... audience had lost sync with the movie long. Oh man! And he gets he goes into a That's seizure, a and he's dunked in a water tank and told that it wouldn't so it wouldn't hurt so much if he just let it happen. Now, out of the tank, Talia gives Cal the pendant his mother had been holding when he found her bloody corpse saying that her father had recovered it and that he'd been there trying to save his mother from her own people. What? In some incredibly clumsy dialogue. I'm sorry? I was talking over you again. I was just being being sarcastic about the film. It's a terrible film. And and there's some incredibly clumsy dialogue, and we go from from this to uh, to Talia's raison d'etre of ending violence, specifically that between the Assassins and the Templars. And Cal is wheeling himself out of the room. So, Uncle Scar goes to see Cal in his cell after watching him do training exercises or whatever, introducing himself and offering to make a deal for the Apple. And he takes Cal to to see what happens to people who don't willingly enter the Animus, and then they they become vegetables, basically. 
Uh, and it's this room full of shuff- shuffling sort of sad sacks. And then he shows him his mother's murder weapon. Isn't that nice? And he says, hey, your dad's here in the room. And he puts also, it's your birthday. <laughs> yeah. And just put a puts the... <laughs> they don't say that bit, but it would have been nice if it was. It's like, it would have been nice to have a little comic a, relief in this fucking a, thing. Yeah, here's our, like, really morbid room. Um, here's your mum's murder weapon. You're about to get another nasty shock. Uh, happy birthday. So he just leaves the, the, the knife on a table and walks out of the room. And, like, all of the orderlies take out all of these other infirm patients and just leave him alone in there with this guy who's staring at a wall. And uh, Uncle Scar watches, or no, um, sorry, Talia's watching on a monitor. Uh, and Uncle Scar comes into the room as she's watching it. Cal takes the knife from the table and moves in on his dad. But his dad's got a whole lot of talking to do about Cal's mom and how he killed her to save her from the animus and don't lead them to the apple, but it's okay to kill me. And la, 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 la. Cal doesn't kill him. Instead, he gives him the necklace with the pendant and walks out. And after he leaves, the other assassins have apparently made the decision as a group to take him out in order to protect the apple. So there's yeah, some fighting that happens. This is gonna, yeah, if you think this is going anywhere meaningful, it, it, it doesn't. Yeah, no. Cal makes it out okay and requests to be put into the animus. And after some more kind of dramatic, overwrought dialogue about principles and whatever, they let him in. And we kick things off by learning how Cal's ancestors wound up with this pendant. Uh, that he'd just give it to his father, as Aguilar's handed it right away by his lady friend on a rooftop. Uh, the prince is being returned to the sultan by Torquemada in exchange for the apple. He goes to the secret hidey hole. A secret this move is a sultan. A sultan must sensibility. I, I feel like there is a seed that I completely skipped over somewhere in this too and i just don't care probably i mean there's entire character arts and and, and plot details that the that writers decided not to deal with so, yeah yeah um so they get the a box and inside the box is the apple and Torquemada's examining it and he's all like excited and then smoke bombs drop in followed followed by aguilar and his gal pal and they kill Lots of Templar soldiers eventually ending in a standoff between Commander Badass and Aguilar. Um, And Commander Badass is holding Aguilar's female acquaintance, and uh, Aguilar is holding Torquemada, and they're both sort of looking at each other. And when Aguilar falters in his resolve to just kill Torquemada, which is the thing he really ought to be doing... um, As an assassin, ideally? Yeah. um, His... His lady friend demonstrates her dedication to the creed by driving her neck into Captain Badass's knife. Doing a better job of anything than anyone else. And it's just like Cal's mom did in the demonst- in, in the memory, you know, the recounting from his father. <sighs> well, fuck me until my cock farts. So that removes any leverage. Torquemada gets a quick stabbing before fighting commences between Commander Badass and Aguilar. Badass has the upper hand, but at the last minute, Aguilar turns the tide, does the vicious killing. So, um, yeah. 
By the way, like, don't think, listener, that Conrad's just, like, rattling through things briefly because he can't be fucked. This is, like, the film. He really like, is. There's just so little to say that it really is. Well, he fights with him, and then they run there, and that, like, that's the... I, I wouldn't be surprised if Conrad's summary is very close to the final draft <laughs> of the script. Torquemada's still alive. Makes for the door, manages to get it open, lets more soldiers in, so Aguilar has to escape into catacombs for more running and fighting. And just when I'm it's, actually imagining this is the script. Just when it seems like he'll escape, Aguilar becomes trapped on a bridge, and unwilling to give in, he jumps off the bridge into the water below. But when this happens, the animus breaks. Its arm becomes all sparky and shit, and Cal seems to remain synchronized even though he's not, like, in the arm. That's terrible. And that's when we get the term leap of faith. Because, sure, why the fuck not? Yeah. Yeah, we don't see the leap of faith. Ever in this film. Ever. But Let me just say that. The computers tell everybody that, oh, well, Aguilar's location at this point in the memory is a, a military port. And that he... Uh, he he, we're seeing him give the apple to a swarthy seafaring type who gives some cryptic statement to Aguilar. And it turns out it's about Christopher Columbus leading Abstergo to determine that the apple is is at Columbus's resting place. In the prison block, the, sh- the assassins are up to some shenanigans. Omar is playing a fun game with a couple of guards where he reveals he stole smoke bombs and then some rioting happens. Uh, yeah, I missed the scene with uh, Cal singing crazy. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, at one point, Michael Fassbender just starts singing crazy, and it's like I looked up because obviously it's I, it's, I, it's I where he's insistent. It's the scene where he's insistent on being put back in the animus. And yeah, but he was singing crazy, and and it was just very cringy. It was very cringy, and but there was there was a significant purpose to it that that there was some. It was something that uh, what was it? We had a point about it that was kind of important. And oh, oh, I remember. Yeah, the the Templars in there using this equipment, like they make the observation at one point that he is getting trained by being in the Animus. Like these assassins were pretty much dead and done. And then they start plugging them into this machine to reawaken their abilities. Yeah, like that's basically the like, like if Abstergo and Skynet formed a merger, I wouldn't have ever been shocked because they operate on about the same level of logic. Oh, this is uh, um, this is some umbrella corporation. Umbrella shit. Cor- yeah, yeah, fucking umbrella corp. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Templars at this point in in the universe had won, and more or less had control of the world. Yeah. Or at least, you know, were minted. The elders point out that this whole Apple thing is completely unnecessary at this point. They're like, shit, we got this on lock. Who needs that? Yeah. They're in government. They are the New World Order and everything. They're the Illuminati. They're the Templars. And yet, from nothing, from a dead bloodline, from from people who had forgotten, long forgotten, uh, their their inheritance as, as, as assassins, they get put in a machine that reminds them down to the last detail exactly what they are and how to do it. 
And I feel like they missed an opportunity by not playing that up more. Yes, well, that's the main issue, is we had to arrive at that conclusion. And that was the point we made, was that the movie, I feel, does it by accident. I think the movie, just because it was following the video game and wasn't thinking about it, didn't really cover the the idea that the Templars very foolishly orchestrated their downfall. So instead, it does just look like silly Umbrella Corp stuff. Yeah. It doesn't look like carefully crafted, like, the these... Like, the Templars were so greedy they orchestrated their downfall because most of the power wasn't enough power. Like, that's a good story. That's a good reason for a, a villain doing something stupid. Yeah. But, of course, because this is a movie without heroes or villains, it's just just very silly people doing very silly things. In the Animus, while this rioting is happening outside, Calhoun hates a whole bunch of assassins surrounding him, but... I don't know, maybe they're all being projected in the Animus because Talia al Ghul sees one that kind of looks like her, and uh-oh. It's it's like when all the ghosts come out in Harry Potter. Yeah. I know I mentioned Harry Potter before. I, I think, this movie uh, yeah. is basically a remake of Harry Potter. And then Cal sees his mother, who tells him he's not alone and never has been, and all these other assassins come into the scene and witness Cal accepting his geni- genetic destiny, so they're all totally cool. He's <laughs> just accepting his genitalia. <laughs> like, like in a glass case <laughs> with with a gift ribbon and a certificate. So the assassins steal all the weapons they could find, and far more evenly matched fighting happens while Uncle Scar and Talia al Ghul leave the facility by chopper and get away, even though... Cal did the climbing all the way up to the top of the Animus Chamber, which goes to the roof. Okay. Yeah, probably. Why not? Why not? Why didn't any of the guards, while they were training these highly efficient assassins, why have the guards just got, like, bitty clubs and not guns? <sighs> well, because... It makes it very easy to kill them all with the knives and improvised weaponry that the assassins get. The ones who are the ostensible prisoners, well, I guess, who are better equipped. I guess the question is, like, is Talia al Ghul's altruism real, right? Because if she truly believes that she's doing this for the good of humanity, and that these people aren't prisoners, they're patients, and that they need help, guns would not be necessary to her, in her mind, right? In In this corporation's... Mind. This is the mindset of this project and this research facility. Not having guns to kill them makes sense. But for God's sake, get a cattle prod. Like as- I feel like you're ascribing too much. Well, they have tra- guns. We've the seen them. Why are they not using those? Well, I think I think what it is, I, the real reason, is that they just wanted to have the modern day people fighting a bit like the assassins yes, from history. That's dies. correct. <sighs> Later, with the elders. At least, uh, Double Dragon explained why nobody had guns. <laughs> Double fucking Dragon. That movie had a genuine backstory that had thought put into it that explained the way <laughs> things were. Fuck me! Later, Sorry, carry on. Later, with the elders, the uh, Uncle Scar and Talia recover the apple, 
But Uncle, uh, but Talia seems to have some doubts, despite being reassured that everyone knows how instrumental she was in finding it. You know, you see, she's going to hit that glass ceiling. That's what's happening yeah. here. And that's sad. At a later social function, Uncle Sc- or, uh, Talia tries to talk to uh, her, her father and realizes, oh, maybe he is a bad guy. Meanwhile... And then she, said, then she looks directly at the camera and says, there are no heroes and villains, though, so no. And meanwhile, the assassins are infiltrating the party, and you, you can probably see where this is going. Um, Daddy, Rickon, Uncle Scar takes stage... I'm going to take a call. Hold on. Hmm? Hello? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I was going to uh, uh, call and uh, see if I can reschedule that. Uh, I mean, it's up, but the the problem was very spotty, unreliable internet. It's not that it, it it's just down completely all the time. Okay. All right, thank you very much. All right, bye. Like, I mean, you should have just carried on talking about the film, because <laughs> that's all staying in. The uh, <coughs> Uncle Scar um, takes stage, gives his celebratory speech while Talia leaves dejectedly, and oh my gosh, she runs into Cal. And, and Cal has some more painful dialogue appealing to her sense of responsibility and, and doubt about her father's motives, and then leaves her alive. And heads into the main chamber, and and I mean, this is gonna shock you, right? But right no, at I'm, the, I'm, I'm preparing to be. Hold on a minute, let me just. Sure. I'm just like clenching my anus as hard as I can, so that like a river of liquid shit doesn't blast out of my asshole. Okay, good. Like a blunderbuss of fucking hell. Right at the peak, like that, the crescendo, the top high moment. Uh-huh of mm-hmm. Uncle Scar's speech when he's showing off the apple and it starts to do some really cool yeah. blow and stuff. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Cal walks up to him and kills him. <laughs> and he just walks right up to him. Everybody's watching him. Nobody makes a move to stop this. <laughs> they really don't give a fuck. It's like they gave up as well. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Good times. Chaos erupts in the hall as all manner of hooded figures make for the exits. Standing over the corpse of her father, Talia vows to recover the artifact for the elder. So, okay. All right, fine. All right, so much for yeah. all of that doubt about, you know, who was on the, the good side of history here. Yeah. What, whatever. And and you know what? You know what could have made that work? If, if they'd have done something toward the end to show that that actually was her goal was rather than wanting to end violence, she wanted to kickstart the feud again. Like, she wanted That could have been interesting. Like, if she was out for war and and the Templars didn't have an enemy anymore and she's like, oh, they're all weak and soft now and and that kind of thing. And that was the twist at the end. There you go, Hollywood. I've written another one of your films better than you have. (laughs) When do I fucking get a shot? Meanwhile, on a rooftop... When do I get to direct Aliens? Meanwhile, on a rooftop far away, there's three dudes standing on a roof in hoods. Maybe somebody ought to call the cops about that. I don't know. Yeah, well, no one's looking up. And then there's 15 minutes of credits. Yeah, but not before Michael Fassbender looks at the camera with a little smirk and then tilts as if he's going to fall off the roof. Uh, And uh, 
Let me just say again that the classic leap of faith from the Assassin's Creed games isn't in this film ever. No. Uh, earlier in the movie, he's about to do, like, well, he's at the edge of a thing and he gets a voiceover telling him to just jump. I don't know if it's a voiceover or if it's uh, another character, but someone tells him to just jump. And he's about to, and then he desyncs and he wakes up. Right, that's the first and, one. And then there's the, yeah. the jump into the, you know, uh, into the water below the bridge. And that's the one where, where she actually, like, on the nose, outright, oh, it's a leap of faith. Like, it was a yeah. th- like that was a thing in this thing that they're doing. Yeah. But it's so, like, glossed over and not really fully established that it only really works, I feel, if you've played the games. Well, I think that's... I have this played the games. This entire fucking movie's any... that way. Well, yeah. But but I, I, even I, as someone who has played the games, saw that final shot, and it really did just look like Michael Fassbender broke character, looked at the screen and said, wouldn't it be funny if this entire plot was rendered useless by me jumping off this roof? <laughs> It just looks like he's going to fall off the roof. He's just he's like, all right, now that this is over with. It's like they didn't build the leap of faith up enough yeah. for it to feel relevant enough for them to tease it at the end like that. Load of horse shit. Did you like it or not? Yeah, fuck this movie. Like, it's, it's just really bad. Boring. Boring, boring, boring. boring. That's, that's it. Monotone, boring, dreary bollocks even it, it, it's it's supposed to have these action sequences that are to punctuate like rather than using any sort of other techniques to break up the monotony they they rely yeah. seemingly solely on action and their action yeah. scenes are too long too so that they makes them boring and overdrawn yeah and they 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 somehow maintain the same tone as the speaking scenes yeah Everything just feels so flat and sterile. And, and and that is why it's the most objectively bad film we've ever covered. And there's, because, there's like some tragic yeah. missed opportunity here, I think, to some extent. Like, I don't think Assassin's Creed is a brilliant series or anything. It's got some high points and it's got some very, very low points. But yeah. like, I kind of dug the new version of the Animus conceptually. But they managed to make me hate it by the time we're halfway through the movie because it's just so, okay, what's the fucking point? And, and what's yeah. with these stupid holograms? And, like, I cannot stress how many times they cut back to Michael Fassbender in this thing while Michael Fassbender of history is doing some other action thing just to demonstrate oh, yeah, that yeah. they're both doing it. It's Gotta all the time. Gotta remind the audience. Gotta show off how clever this whole concept is. It's like Total Recall. Except, you know, they didn't keep cutting back to Arnold Schwarzenegger just sitting in a fucking chair. I don't know if the remake cut to whoever it was. Uh, who was it? Like Ryan Gosling or... I don't remember. Or I like whoever. both I versions of that movie, now. though. I haven't seen the remake. Uh, yeah, I, I remember liking it. But, oh, I'm not but it then out. I also liked the remake of Robocop. No, it wasn't as good. Oh. It wasn't anywhere near yeah. as good. But it had its own... It was trying to do its own thing, and I kind of respected that. Right. I didn't. I didn't see. That. I, I. I don't have much time for remakes. So. Well, you saw Dread at least. I mean, right? I have less time for remakes than I do for other movies. Um. No, that actually is a, a one I do. Yeah, you see. should see Dread. I was gonna say I see. I see remakes less than I see regular movies, and I 
I'm not very good at even keeping up with a lot of regular movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same um, way. So there, yeah. Uh, I like. Uh, I just like a lot of pornography mostly. Yep. Yep, I'm with you. Yeah. Well, at least um, you know. I mean, you don't. Have, do you remember what we decided we would? Yeah, I do. It was Tekken. I think we've fallen very out of sync now. Tekken. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we, uh, our call has fallen very out of sync towards the end. Um, so we're a little bit. So let's just wrap it up. It's, it's a probably a good point point to end. Yeah. Um, so Tekken, the the first Tekken movie, uh, which I think may may have been two thousand six. Six maybe. or eight. Uh, I'm not uh, sure but which. It was, yeah, 2006, 2008, one of the two. Um, 2008, I think, is probably closer to it. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll do that on next week. No, not next week, two weeks from now. Uh, check us out on... We do another podcast. It's it, it's improvisational, and we, we give a fuck about it more than we have with this particular episode, even though I thought this one was better than the movie we did. Uh, uh, that's called Fist Shark Marketing, fistshark.com. You can also follow Conrad at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter. That's all one word, so there's no underscore or anything. Don't worry about it. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. I don't like talking about this movie, Conrad. Nope.